let go of being the perfect mother, the perfect woman, the perfect wife, the perfect human, and open your heart to yourself as a whole person, someone who both gets it right, gets it wrong, and then everything in between, and connect with each other. Do not put other women down. That's never going to help you. It's never going to help us change the way that being a woman has been pathologized you know so much about being a woman was made scientific illness that we're emotional and hysterical so i think unless we merge together connect together and sing our own songs then we'll just have more of the same hi it's nicole sharonum and welcome back to connectedly You're going to absolutely love today's episode with Parvati. If you have ever felt overwhelmed by societal expectations and the pressures of motherhood, and you're ready to break free from societal norms to rediscover the true essence of womanhood, connection, and self, then tune in. So today we embark on a journey of rebellion through connection, exploring the multifaceted world of motherhood and womanhood. Parvati, a wise healer and guide, shares insights on letting go of perfection, composting the patriarchy and forging authentic connections. So together, we're going to celebrate the beauty of imperfection and the power of community. Plus, join a journey into connection with a five-minute live meditation. It's powerful stuff. Parvati lives in Newcastle and works one-on-one to walk with people through different aspects of their lives that present as problematic or challenging to really support that person in being able to walk as authentic and as strong a version of themselves in the world, you know, with full hearts. So through meditation, energy healing and singing, Parvati is a true priestess. Tune in to discover how you can embrace your true self and create positive change in your life and the world around you. So let's get straight into it. Please welcome Parvati. Hi, Parvati. Thank <laughs> you so, so much for joining us here today. It is such an honor to have you here. As a woman who is very dear to my heart, you you are seriously one of the kindest, strongest, wisest, most loving people <laughs> I think I've ever had the pleasure of crossing paths with. So what a what an opportunity to be able to share that that flow of wisdom and love that you have with with everybody else. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me, Nicole. It's it's a joy to be here. The feeling is entirely mutual. <laughs> I love so much about you too, and and the joyful way in which you're wanting to help and serve in the world. Very exciting. So I'm happy to be here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's so beautiful. So Parvati, can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do? Because I think there's so many different ways I could try to describe what it is that you do um, and words might not quite do it justice from my end. So I think it's best if you introduce yourself and what drew you to doing what it is that you do. Okay. So hi, I'm Parvati. Lots of people know me as Sue as well. Um, Parvati is a name that I was given by my former spiritual teacher, Shakti Durga. And what do I do? I was, <laughs> I, I always have a ooh, response to that question because I don't know that there's a name because I think, and that's for a few reasons. One is it's always changing. 
it's always evolving how I operate in the world and how I work with people. But essentially, I think what I do is through one-on-one work, I, w- I work with people doing, I guess, energy healing would be a, a term for it. If you want to lock it down into modern new age parlance, I think I do a bit of spiritual coaching, but I would rather say that what I I feel like what I do is I walk with people through different aspects of their lives that present as problematic or challenges or wounds. And I walk with them in a way, hopefully, that supports a strength building in in the person to be able to walk as an authentic, strong version of themselves in the world with full heart. I think I'm a love coach, for want of a better word. And when I say that, I don't mean the, the flattened out, superficial fluttery love. I mean the love that is deep and wide and far and abiding, even when it says no. What else? Yeah. And I do that through meditations, one-on-one healings, group work, singing, various things. Yeah. Mm, It's wonderful. It's, it is hard to put a, to put you down to just one label and I mean, why should we really? I, <laughs> yeah. but what a, what an amazing, what an, I can attest to it. I think I've worked with you for a long time now and I think you have just brought so much love into my life and clarity and you've certainly walked me through a lot in my life. So thank you. So what I would, I, I would love to start, I guess, in why, what really drew you to, to start in what you're doing? Why? Why do you do what you do? Where was poverty way back when, when you went, okay. I know what I want to do? <laughs> well, again, I think that continues to be an unfolding, ever-changing thing. When I have always loved, I've always been a person who has felt their way through life, who has, where the emotional body, that gut pull or the heart pull has been what's, what's been there. I'm someone who seemed to have very little, I was born with very little filter on my emotional expression, which felt like a really horrible thing in my childhood. You know, the myth or or my legend in my family is I was born angry, which may, may very well have been, you know, but I think what I've had is this really strong emotional lead in my life. And so it's, it's not a Often my mind takes a while to catch up with why I've done something or where I'm at. And that's been both a great thing and a not great thing. I always loved, I was raised a Christian in my childhood. I always loved ceremony and ritual of that. I love, loved and love the essential essence of Jesus. And that's the stories and the teachings around love and particularly inclusion, you know, those messages. Then, like many people, fell out of love with Christianity when I became a teen. And, and that, I think, was for lack of a truly wise teacher in that field. I don't know that in my circumstances, in my environment, there was necessarily a priest or a, a, a representative of the church who could answer deep 
questions that I had, you know, um, and so I lost interest, I think. And, and then a few years later in my mid teens, uh, my dad committed suicide. And so for about, oh, 10 years, I wandered around being happy with friends and stuff, but this wound, unhealed wound was in me. And around 25, I realized that I just had to resolve this inner question that I had. And the inner question literally was, what happens to you after you commit suicide? I knew at that point that Christianity had given me one for their version of, of what happened. So I knew that Christianity had not offered me an answer to that question that was suitable or acceptable to me at that point. It didn't feel true in my heart. And that began a, and I really asked that question to the sky, to the everything. I didn't know at that point about my sense of what divine or God or goddess was. I know it now as the animate everything everywhere. And that's who I was asking my question to. So then I, I just drew a series of my, my gut calling me or my heart calling me into things. I, I went to meditation groups for a while. I practiced Wicca for a little while, loved the nature aspect of that, you know, and the seasonal cyclic kind of aspect of that practice. And then through a series of events, I met a woman at, who at that time was called Kim Fraser. And I was gifted a healing session with her that changed my freaking life. I kid you not. <laughs> I, I had an experience in a healing with her where a full 3D movie unfolded before my eyes of a past event like centuries ago. Now, for me, I feel a kinship with past lives. But even if it weren't past lives, it could have been a memory of an ancestor. Who knows? But had a, a full 3D movie that um, kind of unfolded before my eyes where I'd done a terrible thing. And, and through a series of forgiveness and really heartfelt repentance, because it was a terrible thing. That got cleared. That got cleared. And so in that one session, I went from somebody who was, I had like an active nervous system, you know, and I could, I had equal capacity for joyful outburst, angry outburst, fearful outburst. Like it was, the volume could go up really high, really fast. And so I came out of that session and it was like, I had taken party stimulants for about six weeks. Like I was expansive and peaceful and happy and joyful without the flary, flariness of it. But at the end of that session, I opened my eyes from it and I said to her, oh my God, I have to learn how to do that. And she said, I think you do. And that began a 23-year study with her in a school. And I've had the privilege of being with someone and observing them transform before my eyes into a more whole human, if I can call it that. And so, yeah, studied 
closely with her. She's my very good friend. Um, and after about 23 years, I was given guidance to leave that school, which I've done. Yeah. And so again, I think it's been a process of following a call. My whole life has been a process of following a call. I just didn't know it was a call from the animate everything everywhere. Like everyone else, I just thought it was me doing that. So that's kind of how I got here. I think I've answered your question. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, you have. You have. So I've got so many questions and I do want to get into the happiness and connection side of things. But before I do that, how do you, you said you heard, you realized eventually that it was the call and many of us walk around wondering what our call is or, you know, is that my call? How do you know? How do you know it's a call? How do you know it's, you know? Well, it took me like 40 something years to figure out it was a call. (laughs) To learn and to, you know, um, study lots of various paths and and wisdom paths. and, And I don't want to say all spiritual paths because a lot of them were cultural paths like there was deep study of Hinduism. And to me, that's a really, I've, I've come to realize it's a very animate um, practice. It's not a, a, so it's part of culture rather than a spiritual path, which we in modern society would see as a separate thing to our regular life. Do I, am I making sense? So it's yeah, been yeah. lots of being called to, to delve into different things, to find different ways in order for me to find my connection with that, I, I'll keep calling it the animate everything. Call, I would call her her with a capital H, she with a capital S because it's, she's creative and destructive and we know that potency is a feminine thing in the world. It's not to say that there, there aren't the masculine traits. Contained within her, there are definitely. So what does the call feel like to me? Well, now, after years of training, it feels like a constant companionship and a constant communication. So for instance, I was just in in peace. I sit in peace whenever I want to connect with her. I send love whenever I want to connect with her because that's the way to call anything really that we're, we're seeking. I offer love. And so I had a question last night um, and I really I was asking her to do something for me, <laughs> which is both a good thing to do and a really kind of, you know, bit of an egoic thing or to do as well. But I was asking her for something and, and thought, okay, I've asked, I've asked for that. And I was about to drop off to sleep and she said, well, well, and I felt this very clear in a plain voice, so it's not like we're hearing each other now, but it's like you would hear a memory of a conversation, that kind of thing. Um, she said, well, well, if, if you do the research and gather up the information required, then I can provide, <laughs> I, can, I can answer that prep kind of thing. But it was a real, I, I can't just ask her and she'll do everything for me. It's not like you're ordering up room service. But I feel her as a rural in things, sometimes a quiet rural, sometimes a loud rural. And I think 
yeah, how do you know it's a call? I guess what I did was I also prayed for about a year straight, years ago, years and years ago, probably nearly two decades decades ago. Please show me the difference between a thought and an intuition. Mm -hmm. And so that came to Mm me over a while. It's subtler than a thought. It's subtler. You know, it's not the divine with a microphone going, attention, Nicole, I'm here to give you some guidance right now. Um, that would be lovely, though. I, I would like that. <laughs> yeah. It, but I guess not in the way that we've been taught to expect it would be that way. It still happens that the divine or the oneness or the animate everything is going, attention, Nicole, I have, a, I have an important announcement for you. The divine, if we can't hear that or feel that as a pull or an invitation, will then start to put things in our way, like the stub of a toe, the bang of a knee. And those, attention, Nicole, I have an announcement for you, gets, they get louder as events in our lives until we stop and go, oh, is someone calling my name kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I get that. So, so this is great. So this is a good segue. So a lot of what we talk about with connectedly is about connection and is that then what you would call connection? Let's talk oh. a bit about that. What do you what do you describe connection as? What is it to you? Okay. So, that's it's been different things over the years at different times. For some time connection felt like friendship and relationship, of course. It's always felt like relationship with various places. And it's always felt like when it's a relationship with the divine, it's felt like a relationship kind of thing. Now for me, it's that and union. So if I can, if I can say my, my understanding or my realization around connection or my experience and the way I live it is more along the lines of animate cultures, hunter-gatherer cultures, and that is I lived, like I live my life in the understanding that that animate everything is awake in everything around me, that if she's awake in me, she's awake in everything around me, the tree, the river, the breeze. And so it's connection for me is not only about with other people, it's with place and it's giving personage to things that we've been told are inanimate, like a mountain or a rock is inanimate. Mm. Well, for me, if she is a field that is in and through everything, then she's also a mountain and it has her quality of awakeful of wakefulness. So it's it for me, connection must move beyond concept to lived reality. So not just a, oh, isn't nature beautiful? Isn't that lovely? Mm. I feel good. Oh, what is it that feels good? Who is it that I'm connecting with that I feel good in nature? Do you know what I mean? So mm. it's connection for me is in a point-to-point line. It's like being mm. submerged in the ocean. It's everywhere. It's everything. It's being in contact with that. 
Mm, I love that. That's and a I great can, visual. I can almost, I can almost feel that. That's amazing. <laughs> and that, that, and that, I think for me is part of a huge part of my journey. Is that, you know, since the Greeks began philosophizing their their mythic stories, so Homer and the Iliad and and things like that. One of my teachers, Josh Shry, from the Emerald Podcast. I hope I'm allowed to cross advertise here. I'd highly recommend that podcast if you want to learn about connection. Oh, where was I going with that? <laughs> what was oh, lost it? Doing that side ad. The field. Oh, sorry, I'm back. Okay, you're back. So, so, so the 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 ancient Greeks used to practice things like classic, what we would consider classic poetry, like the Iliad, it wouldn't be originally sat around with a bunch of men in togas discussing and philosophizing about that poem. Originally, the poem was done as a massive poetry off and the entire crowd at a festival would chant that and and feel the truth. Through that, the, the shift to where Greek mythology became a philosophy rather than a lived experience was one of the things that contributed to us stepping away and having God and spirituality out there and conceptualising things and putting all of the value in the concept rather than the felt sense. And so when you say, I can almost feel that what you describe, that is the intention. That's the connectedness that I'm speaking to, is that you feel it as well as understand it. So that, that that's kind of nice and comforting to know that I think we often use our minds to try and understand something and you feel like, well, why can't I understand that? Or why can't I intellectualize that? Always trying to grasp the concept of what, what someone's saying. But if it's kind of nice to know that I don't need to be smart or academic to understand what you're saying. I can trust my body and trust that wisdom and use that as the way to connect. Absolutely. I think that's beautiful. Thank you. And it takes time to learn the wisdom of your body, to learn which parts of your heart do you tune into for guidance. Like it doesn't make sense to tune into the, to what's not healed yet as your guidance system because you don't want a wound to guide you. You want your your reconciled parts of self to be your guidance system. So tuning into, learning how to tune into the healed parts of your heart to guide you in that feeling. Uh, and I agree entirely. You don't have to be an academic to get this stuff, and you, nor should you have to be. The language of connection should be connecting. It shouldn't be exclusive and belong to a small group of people who only understand it. If we're, if we're speaking of connection, then the language should be indeed connecting by its very nature. So... What are some ways that you can connect then more to your innate wisdom and, and the, that everything that you're talking about? What are some ways, kind of practical ways? Practical ways. Okay. For me, the breath is everything. It is not only the thing that is what's keeping the body going. Well, it's the soul. For me, the soul is really what's keeping the brain and the heart ticking over. 
and the breath happening. We could talk that, about that another day if you want. But, but the, that breath cycle, you know, we, if you start with, your, if, you, if you consider the bit where you've just finished breathing out and then the beginning of the next breath as a birth and then you're breathing in as life and living and then the, the lungs become full, not so full that you've lost your control or mastery with them, but when your lungs become full, there's a pause there. That could be considered a death. And then the letting out of the breath could be a decay. So for me, engaging in with my breath in the thing that, that is the pattern of all of the cosmos, birth, life, death, decay, rebirth, if I'm engaging in that, that starts to help me like the, 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 the solid nature of things like rooms and buildings and computers and stuff starts to coalesce away and the spaciousness happens and in that space I can ask questions or offer love or whatever I want and and really because the thing that is the she is the one who is doing the connecting the act of connecting and the connection itself so because she's everywhere all the time in everything that's how it is that when when we engage in that breath of the that it's a life cycle every breath is a life cycle and we add love to that that love literally is as strong right here where i'm feeling it if i'm with that oneness everywhere it's as strong right here as it is at the far, furthest stars in the universe they're feeling my love as well same for everyone mm. It's not just me. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. I think that's why we're here. She is an ocean everywhere, all the time. Mm. Mm, that's wonderful. Am I? Um, oh, so practical thing. Breath, breath, yes. breath, breath. And you can learn different ways to use your breath. I know that you you work with different breathing techniques like pranayama and alternate nostril breathing and those things. Working with the breath is a really powerful way to develop connection capacity. Mm clearing your heart, healing your heart. So engaging in healing therapy, shamanic ceremony, ritual work, connecting with the moon in all of her phases, you know, connect with the moon each day. That's going to help you develop your connection. Anything you do with your heart open and your mind open in a ritual that is repeated way is going to deepen your ability in that field whatever it is you know whether you're practicing a game of tennis whether you're whether you're doing the breath cycle whether you're opening to the animate everything whether you practice the repetition is how we become good at things here in on planet earth mm -hmm. <clears throat> so what would you say i can hear people saying but I practice every day and I get nothing and I don't feel what she feels and I don't feel the love and the lightness and the, any connection. I'm just sitting in a room listening to my mind or my breath. What would you say to someone that says that? <laughs> well, people say that to me a lot. <laughs> and I would say maybe you're not 
maybe the what you're practicing at the moment isn't the right practice for you maybe what you're practicing is because someone else has told you to practice that and 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 so that would be my first thing is it the right practice for you if it doesn't open your heart if you're not starting to feel spaciousness even if there isn't a voice or a light or an anything in there if you're not starting to feel more peacefulness within then it's not the practice for you I would argue the heart center you know the place we love from the place we forgive from the place we give from as well our that's our place of generosity I would engage in ways to open the heart because in every tradition uh, that speaks to happiness or wholeness or oneness or enlightenment or you know becoming love is the way and so if if you've got some blocks there if you're holding grudges then finding ways to heal those hurts is going to help deepen your connection and capacity in terms of your practice mm-hmm. what else would I say be kind yeah. with yourself It sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, well, like I said, I've been, yeah, it is. It's ongoing. I don't know that I've healed every single wound I've ever had. I find that now I'm much more empowered in the healing. I'm much more brave in coming and facing those wounds. I know that, that being accountable adds to my connection and my happiness. I know that being courageous to say, oh, my God, I just up and I'm really sorry and not offering a justification, just saying I'm sorry is empowering, adds to my happiness as well as other people's, you know. And I think, I don't know, I feel in in our chats and in your email you said, you know, you're the target audience and we know that not everyone's going to be in that target group of 35 to 55. I've... I'd like to say I've successfully navigated all of those <laughs> years and beyond. First of all, because authenticity is so important, first of all, f- learn, figure out where it is you're just mouthing something you've been trained to mouth or believe mm. and where you're like figure out where you're actually being controlled by a mass consciousness that really doesn't give a shit about your happiness and disengage find ways to disengage be a be an activist and find ways to choose love instead of choosing i've got a bigger gun than you or i've got a, a louder I've, I've got a better swear word or i've got a better put down or i've got a, you know learn learn where you're just repeating the the expressions of life that have come down through the generations of your family where you're just repeating something rather than actually expressing your own true self. And how do you do that? For me, that's been through many ways, I guess. I, I engage in classes where I, I learn how to understand how white privilege, how privilege and whiteness, because it's a historically white culture that is dominant at the moment, how that that power over type of consciousness so I, I i'll join classes where there are teachers who who can teach me where i'm blind to mm. how i'm living my life and i tell you it comes as a 
you know, I can't tell you how many times in my life I go, I do that. I do that. I'm just, I guess I've just become more accepting that I, I engage in those things too. And rather than, you know, live in the shame or the guilt of it, I just get cracking on changing it. Mm-hmm. How do I do that? Through conversations with wise people, through studying of paths deeply as well as widely and really, really being committed to my transformation but not (sighs) committed to my transformation but not solely for my own benefit. I'm committed to my transformation that the ecosystem or the collective we call the whole of Mother Earth, not just humans, will benefit. Because if that field that is the animate everything is through everything, every bit I engage in my work toward surrender and transforming contributes to the entire collective. Just like every act of aggression I engage in affects the entirety of everything. Even that furthest star out there I was talking about receives my love, you know. Mm. Yeah, so mm. how have I learned? I, I get energy healings. I, I'm so, I see people wiser than me and get their help. <laughs> it's, uh, I think it's yeah. wonderful. Like you're almost, it almost feels to me like there is never any end to the study of self that we have to do. And it's nice to hear that, you know, I feel like we all as a humanity, like we almost need to go back to university and learn about ourselves again so that we can increase the happiness around the world. But it's a forever journey. It's never like, okay, I'm perfect now. And now I can just relax, you know? Correct. Correct. It becomes more entertaining, you know, and life, life should not be all shadow work, nor should it be all bypassing and, you know, I'm in the spiritual high of everything all the time. That's that to me is living half a life either way. And the only the only place I'd go, oh, I don't know about that, would be we all have to go back to university <laughs> because to world me, university. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> world university, self university. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, and also there's this place in that development where. The transformation and the healing of self becomes a lived experience where you're with not only your own transformation, but that really it's the larger self, who I've been calling the animate everything. That self is forever transforming, forever giving birth, living, dying, rebirthing, everything around us. That's what... And so I feel like she, which is what I call her, (laughs) she is the one who's transforming and we're experiencing a bit of that transforming as us transforming. But it becomes this thing where it's not, you're not only doing your own work, you you know that you're, you're doing that work within the context of a larger framework also transforming. Mm. It makes sense. It does. Yeah, it does. And it's, yeah, it does. And it almost, I just keep hearing that word again, connection, because it's not me doing it alone. It's me doing it with everybody and for everybody. So it's almost a service. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I think, 
It is a service. It's a total service. Because if we think about how much of our history, human history, is taken up with this part where conceptualising the, you know, the, the, the deifying of the mind, you know, making the mind God, I would argue that science is the new God, you know. If we think about how much of our human history is that, it's about point. 0.001% of our human history is the last few hundred years. For 99.999% of our history, we, and, and the cultures of that, we lived in connection with everything. And I would argue that in that time they didn't blow up the world, they didn't destroy off the oceans, <laughs> there wasn't wholesale slaughter of each other. I'm sure there were battles and wars. I'm not saying that. But, you know, that I would consider that. I'm not suggesting we go back to living in caves either. That That's not a possibility. That would be foolish. But to to adopt the, the cultural ways, to adopt the systems of respect and reciprocity that those cultures have demonstrated are sustainable <laughs> um, because they're harmonious. I think that's important. You know, I think we, I think if we consider that this is the height of our evolution, then we're dreaming. I think mm. we're, we're <clears throat> demonstrating here that that this is not the height of evolution of humanity at all, because there's there's just all 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 focus is on consuming is on being productive in the workplace is on is, is on ticking boxes that really do they really have meaning to you have you asked yourself that question not just you i mean all of us yeah, um, yeah. no i i get that and i think what you've said is is so relevant and to where i want to go with happiness and i think where i went wrong is i in my life you know 15 years ago i was ticking boxes and I thought that's where happiness and and where I was supposed to go until everything fell down and I realized all of that was empty so so what how do we find happiness then especially as women who are really busy and we're mums and we're working and we're you know pressure 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 how do we find happiness I mean it's a big question but what comes to mind well first of all rebel refuse to be made to do all that start to join with your sisters and say you know what we don't we do not have to tick these boxes what actually do we all need to feel fulfilled and complete how do we as network and in a connected way find ways to rebel against the system that we're all enslaved to and for me the words, I am guided by the words of a, a famous queer African-American activist from the 70s and 80s called Audre Lorde. So let me go back a step. For me, I understand that the purpose of my life is in many ways, I used to say these words, to smash the patriarchy, not to smash men, not to, but to smash apart that those 
rules and regulations that pin us all down that 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 cause women to think that they're not allowed to ask for help that they're bad mothers all the time you, you're encouraged to think you're bad mothers every turn you know that's because you're a bad mother so so join together and find ways to rebel against that, that stuff and the way to do that is not to smash it apart i think because audra lord said you cannot dismantle the master's house using the master's tools so i've realized that even that idea of smashing the patriarchy would be trying to use those old tools of power over dominance to break down power over and dominance it's not going to really work is it so i've come to this place where i want to compost the patriarchy instead i want to i want to have the mycelium of life break it down i want to crowd out the bad well not the bad i want to crowd out the unhealthy distortion of patriarchy and i want to plant it out with with the divine feminine but also sacred masculine not distorted masculine you know i think mm. men are just as unhappy as women right now Absolutely. and it's because we're all trying to tick boxes that mean nothing Mm. so 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 i think you realize when you get to a certain point in your life where it's all crumbled that that it does mean nothing but there there's obviously a lot of people still seeing the importance of ticking the boxes you know we've got to feed our kids and we've got to take them to school and you know that's ticking that box and then there's you know having a house and to over your head or shelter and food and that's ticking boxes that they truly exist and how do you whilst I don't, I guess your priority changes and you see other boxes that are probably more important, but how do you, how do you find your way through the mess of boxes that you're saying, you know, that we, that we used to see and the ones that are reality that they're there, we've got to deal with. And, and how do we, how do we find our way through all of that and, and, and ultimately connect better with our own happiness? Okay, so I reckon the first way, the first thing is to remember that you're not always going to be packing lunches, getting the kids off to school, getting them out of their beds, getting them. That's for a period of time and your dharma is mother. You you may choose work in that as well, like a job or something outside and that, like I'm, I'm supportive of all kinds of motherhood. And I think you would agree that in order to have to to have any kind of energy for both motherhood and working at the same time, you need a very involved dad. You know, I think stopping thinking things like, "Oh, the the dad of the kids is babysitting today while I'm out." They're not; they're parenting. That so 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 it's so subtle in many ways, like. I would sit down with my partner and maybe talk about, okay, where is it I'm just, I think I've got to do these jobs and where do I not really have to do these jobs or where might you take some of these jobs on? Or how might we build communities where there's support to do those things? Mm -hmm. So I think connecting with each other is the first Mm -hmm. thing. I think, I think, you know, let go of being the perfect mother, the perfect woman, the perfect wife, the perfect human. 
let go of that. That's probably the best idea, the best advice I can give you. And open your heart to yourself as a whole person, someone who gets it wrong, someone who hurts someone else at some time, someone who um, uplifts and nurtures, someone who both gets it right, gets it wrong, and then everything in between. Accept that you're a whole person and connect with each other and don't put other women down do not put other women down that's never going to help you it's never going to help us change the way that being a woman has been pathologized you know so much about being a woman was made scientific illness that we're emotional and hysterical that that is a that that's an illness so i think unless we merge together connect together and sing our own songs then we'll just have more of the same. Mm. Yeah, I love that. So, Parvati, I think it would be amazing if you would be willing to maybe take us through a short, maybe five-minute journey of how, wherever you want to lead us to tie everything that you've said together. Sure. Sound good? Yeah. <laughs> of course. Of course. All right. So oh, I'm pulling my microphone around here. Okay, so I always find it easier if I close my eyes. So if everyone would like to close their eyes and bring your awareness to the centre of your chest and sit for a moment with your breath. Notice that your chest expands and then relaxes as the air comes in and out. Notice where you're breathing from. Are your shoulders going up and down? And if they are, try to just relax them and use your belly to breathe. Push your belly out and it will pull air down to the bottom of the lungs. That's it. And then breathing out. Notice if your mind is busy, wanting to think of other things. And just quietly give it a little nod and come back to the breath. You can even let your mind know that you can think about those things later. For now, we're going to breathe. Good. On your next out breath, let the out breath be a letting go out through your body as though you can breathe out beyond your skin. Breathing in from where you breathed out to and through everything in that. Good. This time we're going to breathe out further. So out to the about a metre and a half to two metres all around you like a bubble is around you. And as you're breathing, take notice of the bubble. You don't have to see it. You don't have to hear it. Just be open to the fact that it's there. It scoops beneath you into the earth. It's out behind you, to your sides, above you, in front. That's it. And breathe in from that bubble. Awareness at the centre of the chest.
Beautiful. Breathing out again, out beyond the skin, out to the edges of your bubble. And back in. This time we're going to include the animate everything, that sea I said we're all permeated by and swimming in. So as you breathe out, offer love from the centre of your chest to the oneness everywhere, breathing out to the edges of your bubble or beyond. And then let the in-breath bring the love back from that animate everything everywhere, including inside you. That's good. Again, breathing out and offering love. Breathing in and receiving the love back again. And on the next out breath, what if you choose that you're letting go of perfectionism? Good place to breathe out when we're letting go of perfectionism is the throat and the jawbone. So breathe in. And breathing out all through the throat, around the neck, out through the jaw, letting go of the perfectionism, the self-criticism. Good. Breathing in again. This time we're going to let go of the mass consciousness pressure of that perfectionism so breathing in from everywhere breathe out through the back of the neck with the intention of unplugging that's it breathing in from that the animate everywhere thing everywhere the love from there This time as you breathe out, let all of your cells and all parts of you and beyond your skin, let it fill with love. Good. And then as you keep breathing that love, maybe let yourself open to <laughs> to letting go of the pressure to raise the perfect child, a child who never has challenges, <laughs> who never gets upset, who never have, has to have difficulties or discomfort. Let go of that. You can't do it. My sisters, you cannot do that. It's impossible. That's it. Letting go. I'm breathing in strength from all around you. Good. Breathing out. Let that strength permeate everything within you and around you, knowing that you are strong enough to navigate when your kids aren't happy or have met a challenge or are in discomfort. Beautiful. Come to your heart centre in the centre of your chest. Put your hand on your chest and just thinking to yourself, I'm actually pretty good. I'm actually okay. I don't have to bend to that pressure. I'm doing my best 
to be a good human, a good woman, a good mother, a good sister, a good daughter, a good friend, a good wife. All of those roles we play. I'm doing my best. That's it. Just for a few more breaths, breathing the, the love that really is everywhere all the time. Very gently bringing your awareness more fully back to your body. Wriggle your fingers and toes and open your eyes. Oh, do I have to? <laughs> so nice. So wonderful. Thank you so much for that. I, I feel no. like better than a holiday. <laughs> cool. And for anyone out there who thought, I didn't feel a thing, that's totally okay. Totally okay. You're still doing your best. You're still moving. You're still becoming. Mm, so wonderful. So, Parvati, you're, if you were to give the women who are listening one actionable tip that they could just take away, something they could implement straight away in their lives for when they either are overwhelmed or just not feeling that connected or not that happy, what, what would that be? Get outside and lay on the ground, on, on grass lay on the grass definitely and just and just 10 minutes five minutes 10 minutes just lay there because she's really got you mother earth really has got you back all the energy you require she will give you and so yeah just take a moment to ground by being with the ground and breathe that get your kids out on the ground as often as possible too and laying there and or even running around it's going to ground them too that's Beautiful. my practical, actionable tip. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So we're going to have a quick five. First thing that comes to mind when I ask you this question, just a quick first thing, bit of fun. What can't you live without? Oh, chocolate. <laughs> What's your happiest song? Ooh. Oh, goodness. My happiest song. I love Gayatri's song, Happy For No Reason. Um, love it. Yeah. That's the one your, that's popping into my mind right now. <laughs> your your favourite self-care ritual? Sitting with the sky each night, connecting with the moon. What's your favourite way to de-stress? Sitting with the sky each night. Connecting with the moon. <laughs> and at the moment, what is your favourite book or author or podcast? Oh, favourite podcast, The Emerald with Josh Shry. Favourite book, I've got a few at the moment, The Healing Wand by Sophie Strand, The Magdalene Revealed by Megan Watterson. Beautiful. Yeah. There's a few. I've got I've got That's stacks good. of books next to my bed. I'm sorry. <laughs> I do too. One at a time. One at a time. Yeah. So so finally, what is have you got another book? Oh yes, Under the Quandong Tree by Min Maya. Ah, okay. Okay. Every every woman. Our, 
men too could read it. There's a lot of women's teachings in it. Beautiful, beautiful book. Okay. And braiding sweetgrass. Oh yes, I have that just here above my head. <laughs> They're going to keep coming. <laughs> yes, yeah, stop me now. <laughs> Your, what are you working on right now? Is there is there a way that that if people want to work with you in some way they can do that, or is are you doing meditations, or what are you doing right now that you can share with us? Okay, every month I co-facilitate an online new moon group with my good friend Estrade Diana. She's a, a wonderful astrologer and she delivers the astrology of that particular moon. And I, my job is to take people on an experiential meditation or meditative journey to connect with that and, and to connect with the dance in the sky that's happening inside us as well. So I run that. I, I run an in-person meditation if you're in Newcastle once a week on a Tuesday night. I do one-on-one healings, healing sessions. You can contact me via, via my email, moonforest144 at gmail.com. I'll, I'll pop that in the comments as well of the podcast so everybody has that. Yep. They're the only things I can think of right now. I think but, yeah. I think that might be enough. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> you do, you really do so much, Parvati, and I meant what I said in the beginning that you do bring so much light and love and warmth to my life. I, I feel blessed to have you in my life, so thank you so, so, so much. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here and it's a privilege to know you, darling woman. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thanks so much for listening in. Isn't poverty just amazing? So here's some of the takeaways. Rebellion through connection. So women can rebel against the societal norms by connecting with each other and supporting one another in their unique journeys through motherhood and through life. Let go of perfection. It's important to release the pressure of trying to be the perfect mother, wife, or woman, embracing imperfections and acknowledging that we are whole beings with strengths and weaknesses is crucial for self-acceptance. Composting the patriarchy. Instead of using old oppressive tools, focus on creating change through nurturing and sustainable practices. By crowding out unhealthy norms and replacing them with the divine feminine and sacred masculine, we can contribute to a more balanced world. Connect with authenticity. Forge genuine connections by being authentic, kind and respectful. Supportive communities are vital for navigating the challenges of motherhood and life. Embrace your multifaceted self. Acknowledge that being a woman involves a range of experiences, emotions, and roles. By embracing our complexities, we empower ourselves and each other. Don't forget to join our growing community of women who are tired of chasing unrealistic happiness goals. It's called the Women's Happiness Movement. Until next week, folks, so much love to you and gratitude for sharing in this journey with me. Thank you, thank you.